Welcome back to the Med School Tutors Podcast, your resource for high-yield tips and proven guidance to help reduce stress and give you tangible tools for success from pre-med through residency and the boards. Let's dive in. Welcome to Know Thy Shelf Obstetrics and Gynecology. My name is Leah Gober. I'm a third-year medical student. I go to Mercer University in Savannah, Georgia, and I have been working with MST as a USMLE tutor for about two years now. I've had an amazing time with them, and I'm really excited to share some clinical pearls and just some advice about how to succeed in the OBGYN clerkship. So we're going to go over some study schedule tips. We're going to run through some resources because I'm sure, as you know, the resources for your clerkships are a little bit different than the resources for step one and also step two. Um, We're going to talk about some mistakes to avoid, things you maybe don't want to do during your clerkship. Um, I'm going to spend some time talking about med school tutors, how we as a company can help you succeed, and how we as tutors are absolutely devoted to helping you learn and uh, do your best. So the first thing I sort of wanted to start out with, with this uh, webinar, was going over communicating with your residents. This seems like it should be an intuitive thing, but it's actually not. So most importantly, you want to introduce yourself. And I know that sounds silly, but sometimes you'll walk into a room and no one will be talking and you won't know when the right time to speak is. So you really want to try to introduce yourself via text. This is so that they have your phone number and you have their phone number. You want to be proactive. So see as many patients as you can. Ask for lectures from your residents. And you want to get them to set aside time to answer your questions. So they're really busy They're constantly doing a lot of work, but they also want to teach because they were med students at one time too. So you really want to like ask them, hey, this afternoon, do you think we can go over antibiotics or something like that? Spend time writing your notes. Your notes actually become really important as a third year. Often your residents will actually use portions of your notes to supplement their own. So you do want to put a lot of time and thought into learning how to write a good note. If you don't know how, ask your friends who've already done their OBGYN uh, clerkship or ask the residents. Ask to participate in sign out. So for those of you who don't know what sign out is yet, at the beginning of the day, the night shift will sign out the patients to the day shift. And then at the end of the day, day shift signs their patients back out to night shift. So it's sort of just a transferring of information of this is what we did today These babies were born, this mother is still laboring, that sort of thing. And if you ask to participate, that really shows initiative on your part. So what you're going to do is basically walk through the transfer of your patient's care into another resident team. And I put put the Foley in because it's something that you can really do a lot in OB, um, especially gynecology. So volunteer to put the Foley in before everyone scrubs into the case. It's something you're going to do when you're not scrubbed in. So you can run, go do it really quick and get a a procedure in at the same time. You really want to put time into the small things with your residents. They're people too. You want to get to know their story. How did they end up here? How did they choose OBGYN? And knowing their glove size is actually a trick that I think pays off in the long run. Often you'll, you'll be the one who follows the patient to the OR. And so you can be the one who makes sure that the resident's gloves are pulled. And the only way you can do that is by knowing which size gloves they wear. And then know how to tie. 
knowing how to tie knots is really, really important on OB, almost more so than surgery. I believe I did more suturing and more tying on OB than I did during surgery. So knowing how to tie is really important. If you don't know how to, ask a resident for help. Once again, they were med students at one time too, and they really do, most of them want to give back and help you out. So a day in the life, if you're in the hospital, then from around 5.45, you're going to pre-round on your patients. You may do this with residents or without residents. At about 7.30, you're either going to round on all the patients with the attending and all the residents, or you're going to go to surgery. So OB is unique in that you have some emergency surgeries and you have planned surgeries. Your planned surgeries are most likely going to happen in the morning, and then your emergency surgeries are going to come in intermittently throughout the day. So your common plan surgeries are going to be C-sections, cerclages. There are some operative vaginal deliveries that are actually planned. And then circumcisions. So babies from the day before who were born and mom wants them circumcised. Strangely enough, OB actually does circumcisions, which I find hilarious. So you'll do those planned procedures in the morning. Around noon, there's usually a resident noon conference or they'll tell you to go grab lunch. And then... The afternoon is usually filled with more work time. You're admitting patients. OB has an interesting system. So they'll have a triage system where women who, basically any woman who's pregnant who walks into the ER gets sent to OB and they have their own small little ER. So those patients will show up. You'll have induction of labor. And then you'll also have admitting patients for labor. So those are all three different ways that you'll admit patients in the afternoon. From five to nine, this is, so you want to go home and exercise and chill and eat dinner and do all of these things, um, ideally. But what's unique about clerkship year compared to preclinical year is just the amount of time that you don't have to study. So as you can tell by this schedule, you're basically going from 5.45 in the morning to probably 5.45 at night. And somewhere in there, you've got to find places to study and places to chill. So if you can get your studying in intermittently throughout the day in small chunks, which is a different style of learning for us. We spent a year or to two years sitting and learning everything we can't we could, absorbing like a sponge for long periods of time. And OB clerkship in particular is actually very close to what you're actually going to be tested on, but you still want to you want to take advantage of these pockets of time that you have to do some sort of studying. Um, and that's why you want to bring a book. Since you'll have this downtime, you want to use it to your advantage. So since COVID-19 has sort of, you know, uprooted a lot of what we thought was normal, there are many institutions now doing these virtual clerkships. So as a part of these, you're going to have some synchronous case-based discussions and didactics. Pay attention to these because people are putting a lot of time into putting them together for you. And they can be a really wonderful way. Even over Zoom, you can get to know someone really well by how often they ask questions, how interested they are in the discussion. Try to be as involved as you can because especially with a virtual clerkship, it's harder to get to know someone and these might be some of the only times that you can. The asynchronous cases that some, some uh, institutions are utilizing are the New England Journal of Medicine, CPC, the Journal of Hospital Medicine. Aquifer cases are used all across the country. That's what my institution uses. And then we also have institution-specific uh, cases that students are um, being asked to complete. Also, in this new 
and kind of exciting time, e-medicine and telemedicine is taking off. So a lot of students are being asked to participate in telehealth visits. Not sure if you guys heard, but step two CS is actually being converted to telehealth. So this is incredibly relevant for you guys, especially you, anyone who's a second year becoming a third year soon. This is what step two CS is going to be now for the foreseeable future. So this if your school gets you involved in these telehealth or telemedicine appointments, really try to optimize your learning while you're there. And there's this emphasis on self-led learning outside of conferences. So you really want to take advantage of the time that you have. And it's kind of hard when you aren't actually in a clinical rotation. So make a study schedule for yourself. Have things you're doing in between morning report and noon conference. Um, and try to learn as much as you can, especially using patients as learning tools. So these are just some OB postpartum pearls. Um, you should definitely ask your residents about these. That They have really wonderful mnemonics and really great ways of touching base with your patients in the morning and just getting the necessities from them. Um, so these are the nine Bs um, that my institution uses. We talk about the blues in the morning after a patient has a baby. We'll talk about how they're feeling, breast or bottle feeding, whether they have any belly pain, whether they've used the bathroom, either um, urinating or stool or gas. And then bleeding or bottom tears are important. Bleeding is important. Um, you guys will learn about lochia and how it's very normal after birth to bleed. You want to talk about a birth control plan? Um, which seems a little counterintuitive because they just had a baby. But sometimes for some patients, this is one of the only times that they'll really talk about birth control with a provider. So it's a great opportunity to swoop in and say, hey, have you thought about a birth control plan after this? And then you want to touch on baby. How's baby doing? Are they in the NICU? Um, are they in the room? Do they need a circumcision? That sort of thing. So these are just some, some bees that my residents taught me that I wanted to pass on to you guys. I'm sure all of y'all have great residents who also have um, great mnemonics. So I sort of touched on this earlier, but I want to come back to it. Your free time during your clerkship is really going to be limited. You don't really own your own time anymore, especially when you're in the hospital. Unlike step one, you've got a lot of options to study for your shelf or step two. And the OB-GYN is really, really unique. Um, I hope you guys get the chance to see this in the hospital. What you see in your patients is going to be what you study, and it's going to be what you're tested on. So a lot of people say that the OB shelf is probably the one with the highest correlation to the clinical experience, and I found that to be true also. Um, I hope you guys do too, because it really makes studying for the shelf not necessarily easy, because it's a very unique field of medicine, almost a subspecialty in itself. But it really is nice to, to go do some year-old questions and then show up in clinic the next day and say, oh, wow, this actually was the answer that I, I, I chose this answer yesterday, and this is what I'm seeing today. So as with any, any studying um, time, you really want to prioritize learning resources that help you actively learn. And I talk to my students a lot about active learning, about how sitting and reading a book is it's good. It's good for absorbing knowledge, but it's not necessarily learning in an active manner. So what you really want to do is challenge yourself while you're reading. Sometimes this involves just covering up a page and saying, what, what was here? What did I have under this topic? 
What are some things I can regurgitate right now that I just read about? Another, some other good ways you can do that in a more formal manner is using flashcards with your QBanks. So if you're making flashcards on your QBank wrongs or the questions that you struggle with, this really takes active learning through a QBank and makes it even more active. The ability to teach yourself how to teach yourself is really powerful and can really pay off in the long run. Um, so we can talk about flashcards later on in the webinar, but that's something that I'm really passionate about um, talking to my students about utilizing and sort of integrating into their day. And for clerkships, this goes across the board. Any clerkship you're on, you really want to start early. Um, cramming doesn't really work like it might have worked for you in med school. Didn't work for me in med school, but if that worked for you in med school or in uh, preclinical years, it's unlikely to work um, for shelves. Shelves are really accumulative knowledge and you really have to start building early. Otherwise, you get left behind. Um, so start early, start often. You wanna, if, even if you're only giving yourself 30 minutes a day um, that you're doing UWorld questions or doing some Anki flashcards, you really wanna put that in every single day and learn from your patients. You have the greatest cases ever right in front of you. Um, so learn as much as you can from them. So we also touched on this earlier, but finding these pockets of time to study. So sometimes your resident will send you to go stand by the um, pre-op area and they'll tell you, text me when my patient rolls back. So you go stand by the pre-op area and you're really just standing there. This is a great time to optimize studying. It's a great time to pull out your phone if you have the Anki app or the UWorld app or the Amboss app and start doing some questions. It's a great time if you have a pocket resource to pull it out and start reading it. These tiny little pockets of time are gonna add up. So even if you only stand outside the pre-op area for like 10 minutes, you're gonna do that two or three times that day. And then you're gonna have other pockets of time in between there you can get at least an hour to two hours of studying by optimizing these pockets. And it's going to be hard. It's going to take a long time to get used to. So that start early thing we mentioned, do that. Start early doing these tiny little pockets and optimizing your study time. Um, if possible, try to link your didactics, cases, and patients to shelf studying. Like I said earlier, this is not a problem with OB because OB is so clinically relevant. When you give a patient mag and you see the side effects, that's the question you're gonna be answering. And you're gonna actually see that in your patient. So it's really a great um, relationship that the two have. And the shelf actually does a really good job of mirroring real life. I can't say that about many of the other shelves. So in all of this, you're gonna to wanna to stay connected to those who provide you support and accountability. For myself, it's my med school class and my roommates. Um, I'm sure you guys have family members and other classmates that are really wonderful, like support buddies and accountability buddies. Third year is hard and you're going to see some things that you never really thought you'd see and maybe that you never want to see again. And that's going to help guide you in what you want to do for the rest of your life in medicine. So you really want to find those people and make them your people um, and stay connected to them. Keep an eye out for your institution specific resources. So your institution will often have specific things they want you to read or cover. Um, some of the best antibiotic lectures I've gotten have been from my institution. Um, I'm sure some of you guys have similar experiences. 
So use those to your advantage, especially if you're going to have didactics where they give you the PowerPoint afterwards. Um, they Usually a clinician, if it's being taught by a clinician, is not going to waste time teaching you things that are not incredibly relevant. So these institution-specific resources can be very powerful, especially if you're doing didactics and then going into the clinic. Um, and too many resources can be problematic, just like too few can be problematic. Um, so choose one or two and try to figure out what you like and then go from there to try to narrow it down. So the main resources for OP, the big one's going to be UWorld and that stands true for every single shelf exam. OB doesn't have a ton of UWorld questions, so you, you might have to go elsewhere to find them. Um, Blueprints OB, this book right here, is a really great resource. It is an OB-specific resource, so it, the step up to medicine and those other resources are more holistic and cover all of what you're going to be tested on for step two. But OBGYN has a specific resource in Blueprints that's really great. It's chapter-based and usually gives you clinical cases at the end and questions that you can answer. Online MedEd is everyone, every third year's favorite tool. Um, he really highlights the most important parts of medicine and what is going to be most relevant for you when you first enter the clinic. UWISE is a resource that came from the Association of the Professor, Professors of Gynecology and Obstetrics. It's a really great question bank. A lot of my professors really touted it and were really excited about it. I, I personally think it's, it's incredibly detailed. So if you were to make it completely through UWorld and maybe like into another question bank, UWISE could take you that next step, especially if you're interested in OBGYN and you want to become an OBGYN. UWISE is something you're going to be using for the next... 10 years. It's a great resource as a medical student if you're really hoping to go that extra mile. And then some supplementary resources. Case files is always a great option. Uh, Beckman Obstetrics and Gynecology is a very specific option if you're, that's probably for the person who wants to like dive into OB a little bit more. And then AMBOSS is actually one of my personal favorite study tools. Um, i I used it a lot in those 15-minute chunks that we talked about when you're standing outside pre-op or waiting to go into the OR. It's a question bank and a library, and the library is incredibly useful. So you've got a lot of different libraries, like especially up-to-date, that you can use on your clerkships. And I always found up-to-date to be a little bit overwhelming. Um, I'm not sure if you guys will too, but I know a lot of residents even find it to be overwhelming still. AMBOSS is really wonderful in that it really just gives you the information that's relevant for you for step one, step two. Um, if you're looking for a reminder of the mechanism of doxycycline, you can find it a lot faster in AMBOSS than you will in UpToDate. So I really love AMBOSS, um, the library, and then the question bank. I, I always tend to think of it as a little bit more... Um, I guess less serious. So when I'm taking UWorld, I'm I want to be in the zone. I want to be like ready to memorize everything. Amboss is sort of a throw around question bank for me. Something that I can do ten questions and not really regret not diving really deep into the explanations, but still getting that experience of doing questions. So some study tips, some more study tips for OB-GYN. So clinical years strange. It's this whole philosophical shift from sitting and learning. We talked about that sponge earlier where you're just supposed to sort of absorb everything you can in a really long time. 
And then you're shifting to this, like a little bit less of an emphasis on basic science, although it's still going to come up. Remember, we talked about a doxycycline and the mechanism and a greater emphasis on complexity. So you've got this higher noise to signal ratio. And what most people are going to ask you is, what's the next step? What test do I run now? How am I going to manage my patient? What's my drug regimen that I want to follow? And you don't have to know the answer to these in the clinic. Residents will often help you through your plan. But these are the questions that you want to be thinking about. So you want to shift more from, well, we're giving them doxycycline because of this mechanism to we're giving them this drug because of this pathology. And our next step, if this doesn't work, is a broader spectrum antibiotic. So you really want to think bigger picture and what comes next. You want to be a few steps ahead of any pathology that's developing so that you can do what's best for your patient. Some diseases to know for OB in particular, anyone who knows what a fetal heart rate interpretation is um, knows how difficult that can be sometimes. So often um, residents will have the fetal heart rate tracings on a board in the resident lounge or in the nursing lounge. And what you're basically watching for is any, any um, accelerations or decelerations in the fetal heart rate. And that's going to tell you whether baby's ready to come or not, or if they're in distress. And what you really want to do in the beginning of OB is put the time into understanding your fetal heart rate um, interpretation, because it really pays off in the long run. And it's not something you can learn passively. So you sitting down and looking at a book is one thing, but actually looking at a strip and analyzing it is much more important. You really want to know about the disasters. So we're talking amniotic fluid embolism, uterine inversion, the really terrible things that could happen to your patient. That's what they're going to test you on in the shelf. And in this, they're going to test you how to manage a laboring patient. So a lot of the shelf questions are going to be made up of, do I cut? Do I wait? Do I induce labor? Do I give a drug? We talked about that management and the best next steps. That's a lot of your shelf. It's also going to be a lot of your surgery shelf, but I found it to be even more so more of my OB shelf. So this is why your patients are the best way to learn how to study your shelf, because your assessment and plan at the end of your note is going to go through all of these options, and that's what you're going to be tested on. So maximizing UWorld. We talked earlier about downloading apps. So UWorld has an app. It's really great. You can use it during your downtime and do questions. Your goal during third year should be to complete UWorld at least once. I don't really recommend more at the moment just because once is a little bit tedious by itself. Remember those hours that we talked about? You're getting home, you're eating dinner, you're going for a run, and then it's time to go to bed. So once is more than enough, especially getting through once before your shelf. If you run out of questions for OBGYN on UWorld, I recommend AMBOSS. A lot of schools have Kaplan, and Kaplan's a great resource. And then the UIs is the other option for any student who really wants to dive deep into the OB experience. And then maximizing UWorld continued. So you want to make flashcards from your UWorld questions. Drill them during your downtime. I believe the Anki app actually costs like $20, a one-time fee or something. It's worth it to get it because you'll use it all the time. Some other options are Memorang. So that's a great resource for making flashcards. And UWorld actually has a built-in flashcard function now. So you can sort of highlight an area and then make a flashcard out of it. 
This is really great for high yield images. I find it to be a little bit of a crutch for some students. So you don't want to make flashcards if you're just copying and pasting material in to a flashcard. What you want to make a flashcard for is to really test yourself on testing yourself. So I mentioned that earlier, but it's teaching yourself how to ask questions that you're going to go over later and, and remember, oh yeah, I got this question wrong or I misunderstood uterine inversion. Um, and it's just a really powerful teach back method, especially to yourself. There's nothing more personalized other than an MST tutor um, than having a flashcard deck that is solely the questions that you got wrong. And it's you quizzing yourself on those questions. So these are all great resources. And there are multiple Anki pre-made decks for those of you who are just like, I don't have the time. And I also don't have the learning curve to actually understand how to use Anki because it can be a little bit of a challenge sometimes. Case files is another great resource. You can use it for standalone topics, especially OB-GYN and PEDS. It has a, a bunch of different cases that it walks you through and asks questions at the end. Some other resources, we talk about the pretest series, which has a lot of questions, not necessarily as high yield as a lot of what we've covered so far. Clinical Science Mastery Series, which is by NBME. New Kid on the Block is actually AMBOSS. It is a, a hefty investment in terms of understanding all the information that comes with it, and it can be a little bit of a rabbit hole. So I sort of recommend it for people who've gotten over the step one hump and into the step two clinical world. And then the NBME OBGYN forms are really valuable to go over. So right before you take your shelf, uh, maybe a few days before, you'll probably want to go through some of these forms and they're on the NBME website. They're very similar to the NBMEs that you take as practice exams for step one. And they're very useful. So these also vary by clerkship. So number one, number one should always, always be UWorld. And then from there, you really want to pick resources based on your preferences and what works for you. So some other resources that are sort of fun and non-shelf related. Creogs Over Coffee is the OBGYN podcast that's run by ACOG. Um, it's really wonderful. It's very in-depth and it's very resident level, but they have a lot of fun and have really cool cases that they bring up. Pimped OBGYN is actually one of my favorite podcasts. It really tells you what to expect in the OR. Um, in a very clear way. So it'll walk you through a laparoscopic hysterectomy in a way that actually really helps you when you go into the OR. It'll tell you about uterine manipulation and what the resident will expect of you and what the physician will expect of you. And it, it really walks you through a multiple operations and multiple procedures in a way that's really applicable. So I, I highly recommend that podcast. The USMLE Step 2 Secrets is a podcast. It has an OB section that you can listen to. It also is, has every other section. It's really great. And then the IM podcast, I always recommend Curbsiders just because it's such a well-known, really great resource. Um, it is internal medicine, but it covers everything as internal medicine does. So if you have extra time after doing all your UWorld questions, all your AMBOSS questions, reading all these resources and listening to the OB podcast you can hit up curbsiders. So just to recap, you guys are awesome. You've made it this far. You've accomplished so much. Many of you are either done taking step one or you're studying for step one, getting ready for clinical year, or you've already started third year and you're in this weird virtual clerkship area, but you've accomplished an incredible amount. And it's key to be optimistic at this time because what we're doing it for is our patients. 
and what we're learning for is our patients. So optimizing this time that you have, whether it's in the hospital or virtually, is really important. For those tough days, remember that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, one day at a time, and learn as much as you can while you're doing it. Always take care of yourself. Be confident. You've put in a ton of work to be here, and you deserve it. Trust your instincts. MST, in, in general, is it's our one-to-one -one tutoring company. We make custom study schedules, and we really try to target a particular student's goals, their weaknesses, how they're progressing. Um, what's important is the timeline. We're very personalized in our interaction with you guys. We have a lot of fun getting to know y'all. Um, I consider myself to be pretty good friends with a lot of my students, and we keep in touch to this day. Our tutoring sessions are really adaptive, so it's, it's very much so based on your weaknesses or what you need. If that's sort of drilling you and trying to figure out what you're not strong in versus what you are strong in, we can do that. A lot of what we do is how to take a test, how to assess a question, how to break the question apart. And we, we do that really well with students and teach them how to interpret questions. If anyone's struggling with test-taking skills, that's something that a lot of our tutors really excel in. We have regular communication between sessions, so a really powerful uh, tool that comes with MST and comes with us is that we're always available. So I'm talking email, phone call, text message, however you need to get in touch with us, you can get in touch with us. We are available to you whenever you need us, whether it's taking a picture of a question and saying, I don't quite understand this. Can you explain it to me a little bit more? Or can we cover this next time we talk? That's what we're here for. And then you also get this overall guidance, this accountability, um, planning, and mentorship. Okay, so when do you watch online med ed and should you take notes? Hmm. So some students recommend watching online med ed um, the weekend before you start a clerkship. So as soon as you finish taking one shelf, then you can watch a lot of videos over the weekend and sort of get a general idea of what's going on and then start your clerkship. What I like to do is do like 20 minutes a day and a few videos a day. That's really how I space out my learning, the space repetition, and then just sort of keep going over them over and over again. In terms of taking notes, it's really up to you what kind of learner you are. If you really do need to have that physical note-taking experience, then you should do that. They do have some collections of notes that they sell on online med ed um, that are really helpful that sort of summarize some of the slides and you can write alongside of them. So if you're sort of in between the, I don't want to take notes at all, and I really like to take a lot of notes, that could be something that you want to look into. So someone asked, do you recommend doing UWorld questions from the beginning or after watching online meta ed videos and getting familiar with the material? Okay, so I sort of recommend watching them from, or starting them from the beginning. I tell my students that you can always learn more from a question than you can from watching any number of videos or reading any number of pages. So questions are active learning and UWorld really gives you so much information there. You just have to want to find it. You have to want to see it and you really have to work for it. So I sort of recommend starting off with UWorld just right off the bat, just going for it. And then in terms of watching online med ed, I sort of litter it throughout the clerkship period um, you can do like a heavy dose of it at the beginning just to get the basics down. And then you sort of want to keep in touch with it throughout your clerkship. So if you keep getting questions wrong, you do an inversion, then you sort of want to 
maybe watch the, the video online meta for that again. So someone asked, how do you, how do you make a management or how do you make an assessment and plan for a patient? So my advice for that would just be go home and study your patient. So if you admit someone in the afternoon um, and your resident says, I'd like you to follow them, then you want to go home and just spend 30 minutes reading their chart, looking up some of their diagnoses, whether they've had cervical cancer or how many um, vaginal deliveries they've had in the past, any complications from vaginal deliveries that led to C-sections. Um, you want to know all of this information. And a lot of that's going to be harder to get in the morning when you're under pressure to write your note than it is when you go home at night and you're sort of just flipping through their chart. If you aren't able to access your medical records at home, then you're going to want to write down some of the pathologies before you leave the hospital, get home, get on AMBOSS, the library, or up to date, or Google, and start looking through some of the pathologies that you're familiar with them when you get to the hospital the next day. And that's going to be really important in understanding why your assessment and plan is what it is. What you're going to do the first few times that you make an assessment and plan is sort of copy your resident. Um, so your resident will say, we're managing this second degree laceration that our patient sustained yesterday while delivering her baby vaginally. And you're going to want to know how to manage that, what sort of dressing you have, if any. I guess a second degree is not a great example. Maybe a third degree will manage. And then you're going to want to talk about sort of some of the things that we talked about earlier. So if there's any bleeding, if there's too much, how are we going to manage that? Are we going to give blood? Are we going to just wait it out and follow the hemoglobin? So those sort of things are things you want to, you want to include in your assessment and plan and sort of watch what your resident does and add to it. So you never want to repeat an assessment and plan to an attending that is the same as the residents. You want to add your own flair to it. You know, try a, a combination of antibiotic that maybe they didn't try or suggest counseling them on some sort of STI prevention method that maybe your resident didn't think of. So put, put time into your assessment and plan. Your residents and your attendings will notice um, and they'll, they'll talk to you about it. They'll be engaged with you about it. So someone asked, how long was your dedicated before you sat for step 2 ck so this is going to vary based on institution. My personal dedicated period was uh, two weeks. So some, some institutions will give more, some will give less. Some will allow you to take vacation time for it, um, depending on when you're taking Step 2 CK. So they'll usually at least give you a week to study. And if you, if you need more, sometimes you can put some electives in that allow you to get more time. But my, my personal one was two weeks, and I felt like it was, it was enough time. Step two CK is a little bit different than step one, just because it really is a lot of clinical knowledge. And you're basically taking a mini step one, like six times throughout your second or your third year, because each shelf is like a mini step one. Um, so you're learning a lot as you're going. And step two CK requires a little bit less like basic science knowledge. So it's more just how did you manage these patients? Thanks so much for giving me time on your Thursday night. And I hope you guys learned something and took some, some good knowledge away on how to succeed in OB. Um, it's a great clerkship. It's a lot of fun. You're going to learn so much, um, whether it's virtually or um, actually in the clinic. So thanks, you guys. We hope this was helpful. 
and that it took some of the guesswork out of the equation for you. If you have any questions or would like one-on-one tutoring, get in touch with us via our website, medschooltutors.com, via email at hq at medschooltutors.com, or give us a call, if you're old school like that, at 212-327-0098. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, share, and review us on your podcast app. And if you want more helpful, free information, visit our blog, check us out on social media at MedSchoolTutors, or visit our forum at usmletutors.com. Thanks for listening. Be well.